Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. How are you, Nicole? It's good to see you. Doing very well, Chris. How about you? Good, good. So today's topic, how to store horse feed. And some people are like, oh, okay, I know this. But actually, you know, I think I think it's going to be worthwhile to listen to because, again, it's, there's some reminders in here that I think it can help almost any horse owner. Absolutely. And Chris, you know, one of my roles, I work really closely with our production team on quality assurance things. And safe feed storage, I think, is something that even though we think we know, sometimes some details get overlooked. So I think this will be a really good topic. And speaking of, just as a topic, for those of you who are you know, found us through the podcast and just listened to it. I I did want to point out that, you know, each of these podcasts has an accompanying article, which you can find on our website. So if you're looking for more information, a lot of times we'll cite the studies that we mentioned in there. That's a great resource that you can check out. Yeah, absolutely. The website is gorgeous. TributeEquineNutrition.com. Always uh, the link is in the show notes, but yeah, it's great. And again, like we always at the end say, Hey, if you need help on feeding your horse, there is a link in there where you can help design your own feeding plan. So check it out. Let us know what you think. And yeah, yeah, it's exciting uh, website and uh, stuff going on with tribute. Now getting on to storing feed and there is some things, cause you've brought this up in some past podcasts. I didn't even think about it. Like oils going rancid or, or stuff like that talking about, I guess the important thing is, is what are just some of the, 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 the bigger things that can happen with improperly stored hay or bags of feed? You know, this goes from like, oh man, I messed up and I have to throw this away. It's no longer good. And I've wasted money. And we just talked about how expensive feed is. So no one wants to do that to like, oh my God, scary negative health impacts when we don't store our feed properly. I mean, and uh, this this is dramatic, but like to horses dying, like that's the stakes here because, you know, feed safety is one of the number one things we need to focus on. And there's a lot we definitely do on our end to help extend the life of feed and all of those things, you know, but ultimately once it's in your hands, whether we're talking about hay or feed, um, you certainly need to take some steps to make sure that it stays fresh. Well, like you said, we can start with hay. What are some of the dangers if we don't store our hay properly? You know, like, like I've seen it happen. (laughs) So, you know, just tell the listeners, I guess, from, from a nutrition standpoint, what are some of the things that you're most concerned with if owners, uh, don't store this hay properly? You know, hay storage starts with hay harvest. Um, So unfortunately, you can't improve hay, you know, once it's been put up. So the moisture that hay is put up at is incredibly important. And it's going to dictate really how safe that hay is to feed. And then there's steps we can take to make sure it stays good. So specifically, hay that's put up too wet. Um, The really extreme end is spontaneous combustion of bales. So If hay is too wet when it's put up, it generates heat internally. And if it gets hot enough, it can actually light the rest of that hay on fire. And, you know, there's been incidences of barns burning down because of that. 
less dramatically. Okay. So the hay that's put up too wet, but not so wet that we cause a barn fire, you know, you end up with mold and that could be from a little bit of mold to like where the hay is kind of musty, which can definitely cause some respiratory issues on up to some pretty significant digestive health impacts. So I've seen everything from chronic diarrhea cases all the way to colic and fatality that we've been able to trace back to hay that is moldy. So step one, make sure the hay is nice and dry when it's put up. Um, Ideally less than 15% moisture. We can go between 15 and 18% if we're using a preservative. But, you know, ultimately over that, even with a preservative, you're at pretty significant risk for hay molding and having those issues. So once we have hay and we have it in the barn, you know, our main goals here are to keep it dry um, and limit exposure to critters. So in terms of keeping it dry, you know, that would be making sure that, you know, our roof doesn't leak. We're not leaving doors open where rain can blow in. But I'd say the biggest mistake that I see in hay storage is hay that's wicking moisture from the ground. So that bottom layer of bales, if it's exposed directly to the ground, a lot of times it's going to pull moisture. So even though it might've been put up wet, you're going to end up pulling in that moisture and creating mold in those bottom bales. In terms of critters, I mean, unfortunately, that's one of the realities of a barn. Um, It's very challenging to have zero access, uh, but we want to limit it as much as possible. You know, things like little critters dying in your hay, you know, mostly when we see botulism cases, it's because something got caught up during baling, but it could happen with something kind of dying in your hay mow. But, you know, the big one would be possums. So they um, carry the protozoa that causes EPM in horses and they shed it in their feces. So, you know, that's a pretty significant risk factor for horses contracting EPM if we have possums using, you know, your hay storage as a bathroom. So that's a pretty big one. Oh, that brought back a memory of an EPM horse I had to deal with years and years ago. Oh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, neurological disease. It's, it's, it's not fun to deal with with horses. So, yeah, definitely try to keep those possums away, even though they're, they're good for eating ticks. Okay. So, hey, what about concentrate? Now, that's, that's the other one that, that we don't really think about. And, and I have so many questions to ask you about that. But I guess just kind of broad picture, what happens if we, if we don't store that properly? Uh, Okay, big picture, palatability issues for sure. Um, And then again, kind of that same range, like we can definitely see some mold and mycotoxin issues that can have those big negative impacts on the horse. Um, Colic would be a, a severe risk of that. You know, the the more minor risk if we're not doing a good job of storage and turning our feeds are things like the nutrients starting to break down. Um, In fact, backing up to hay for a second, you know, well-stored hay, it, it loses most of the, you know, vitamin losses in the first 30 to 60 days. And then it keeps pretty well for the next year or two. And then you start to see more significant nutrient degradation. Um, but, you know, you want to make sure you are rotating your hay because um, I've certainly, you know, traced back some issues in cases to horses that were being fed hay that was definitely past that year or two mark. But anyways, 
back to our concentrate. Um, you know, you have that nutrient breakdown. So that doesn't mean you're going to see like big negative health impacts. But, you know, we've carefully designed these diets to support horses' health and wellness. And you can see some more subclinical issues if we're rut- routinely feeding older feed that hasn't been stored properly. Um, and then even this time of year, you know, thinking about the shift in weather, like there's some little tweaks we make, for example, to our molasses blends on our textured feeds when we go from summer to winter. And I trace a lot of those bricking issues in bags of textured feed to feed that's not super old, but like, oh, I stocked up in August and I'm trying to feed it in November and it's hard as a rock. And the reason for that is because, you know, those formulas are designed for different times of year to maximize the feeding experience. And that's how advanced we are today with nutrition. Like, that's amazing that, you know, you do take that into consideration. And and, and one thing I always go back to, if you don't properly store concentrate, is just a horse accidentally getting in the feed room or in the, you know, just eating, eating all the concentrate, uh, leading to all sorts of problems. So it is so important. I guess we could just kind of talk about what are some of the general tips on storing uh, feed. So starting with hay, I think you've talked a little bit about it, like wicking moisture from, from the floor. So what are just some, some general tips on how to store hay? And, and, and is there a difference between square bales and say round bales? Yeah, that's a good question. So like your main goal with hay, keep it dry. Um, so any exposure to moisture, whether it's from the ground, from an open door, things like that, once it gets wet, you know, we have negative impacts on hay quality that way. In general, um, you know, round bales, how we have to handle them for horses um, is a little bit more intense, if you will, than how we would handle them for cows. So I say that people have like super strong feelings about round bales. Like some people are like, I would never feed that to a horse. That is horrible. Um, They're always low quality. And that's not necessarily true. You can, you know, round bale really good quality hay. The big, big difference though, when thinking about how we store it is again, you have to keep it dry. So if you're driving around anywhere in the Midwest, I mean, you'll see round bales sitting on the ground exposed to the elements and those will be routinely fed to cattle. Cattle, because of their digestive tract, not that mold isn't an issue, um, but they're a lot more tolerant of higher levels. So what happens on a round bale is kind of that outer couple inches is exposed to the elements. It's getting wet. The quality gets really low, but most of the inner parts of the bale are protected. So most of your hay is okay. And that approach just doesn't work for horses. Um, So we, we wouldn't want to store our round bales the same way that we might be able to do so for a cattle operation. So we'd be looking at things like wrapping them or storing them in a barn with the same caveats that we have to keep all that moisture away from them. And sometimes that additional infrastructure required to store round bales no longer makes it as economically um, advantageous compared to small squares when we're thinking about a horse. So that's kind of the big thing when we're thinking about square bales versus round bales and how we might have to store them. So once we take into consideration that horses just have a more delicate digestive tract than cows, um, all of a sudden round bales may not look as appealing when you realize how much more carefully we have to handle them for horses. So, um, you know, ultimately that's the big thing for hay, put it up dry, 
keep it dry. Uh, when it comes to concentrates, you know, we're looking at a couple different things. Um, we could break it down into different bag types of feeds, so like a pellet versus a textured, and then different types of supplements as well, and maybe talk about different categories and how we might store those. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I definitely have a lot of questions about that because it's like, you know, I just go to, 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 to like you said, the textured yeah, later in the year uh, because you had molasses. So the differences with, I, I guess, the, the broader picture of concentrate, you know, how to store it, how, you know, how long is it going to last once you open that bag of feed, but also, like you said, the differences in the types of feed. So what are some of those general tips or guidelines yes. that you'd suggest? Yeah, let's start with the bag feed. So pellets versus concentrates. In both cases, um, some important things to remember. One, the bag is not waterproof. (laughs) This this is a relatively common misconception. So like you pick it up from the feed store, you put it in the back of your truck. If it gets rained on, you are going to have issues. The bags are a little bit water repellent. Um, So like a tiny like sprinkle of water is not going to usually be a big deal, um, but they are not water resistant. And the other thing, you know, while it's still in the bag, we need to store it up off the ground the same way we do with hay. So your bags are going to pull moisture um, from a dirt or concrete floor, and that moisture pulls into the bag and causes mold. So, you know, ideal storage is somewhere that is cool and dry um, with decent airflow, especially if you're somewhere humid and up off the ground. So like, I really like to, you know, go ahead and put bags of feed up on a pallet. So we just have that airflow underneath and we don't risk pulling moisture from the ground. That's while it's still in the bag. Um, and obviously we want to minimize rodent exposure. Um, they will definitely eat like into the sides of your bags. And then once you open it, you're going to want to put it in a closed container. Again, eliminate that risk of like horse breaking into it that you mentioned earlier, and also keep rodents, moisture, other things out of it. And also, I know this is going to sound really random, but like random stuff falling into it. So you can tell, like, I see all sorts of different quality things. And um, <laughs> yeah. something that comes up, people are like, I found this thing in my feed. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that thing came from your house. <laughs> um, so that, like, that's a risk that happens when you have open containers around. So, you know, just making sure we don't have things falling out of pockets, knocked off of shelves, that someone unwittingly, like, just scoops feed and doesn't look. So, those are kind of your main recommendation um, for really all things, right? Close container, minimize exposure to critters. And then, you know, your question on pellets versus textured, the shelf life does differ a little bit. Um, and the reason for that is anything we're adding additional moisture to is going to have a shorter shelf life. So we get some moisture with our molasses. But the big thing is those products dry out. So it's not just about the quality in terms of a safety experience. It's also the quality in terms of the feeding experience. So, you know, general recommendation is to feed your textured feeds within three months of manufacture, pelleted feeds within six months of manufacture, provided they've been stored well. And that time might shorten if you're in a really humid environment, something like that. But what you have happen in the texture feeds first is they dry out. So they become, you know, dry and crumbly, and that's not the feeding experience we're looking for. 
And then as time continues, we start to have breakdown of some of those nutrients, particularly a lot of our vitamins. So it's not like a feed goes from good to bad at, you know, day six months, you know, but we're starting to see more degradation of those nutrients. So that's why you don't want to keep feed around for that period of time and make sure that you're rotating. So we call it first in, first out. So the first one, you know, that you bring in is the first one that you feed. So you don't have feed sitting there. Um, if unfortunately, like it gets wet, exposure to moisture, those things, and then we have mold, this shelf life is then, you know, not something we'd even think about because, you know, we have the health risks that go with that. So we need to store it well. And then that's the maximum amount of time we'd recommend keeping them. Okay. Okay. Now I, the other question I had is, is, is some of these supplements, uh, I know there's a million and, and, and all sorts of different types, like, you know, vitamin mineral mixes, but something like the constant comfort or, you know, I think from one spectrum, the other one is like the wholesome blends oil. You know, when you open that supplement, how long do they last or how would you store them? I guess to, to conserve them. Yeah. So again, cool, dry place. One thing for oils is also out of sunlight. So you'll notice the wholesome blends omega plus oil is in a white jug. Um, a clear jug is actually a little bit cheaper. Um, however, you know, one of the things that causes oxidation of our oils, which is what makes them go rancid is exposure to light. So, you know, that's one of the things we do on the packaging side to make sure that those products stay good as long as possible. Most of your supplements, I mean, you're looking at nine to 12 months, um, if they are stored well, and ideally you're going to use them within, I would say two months on average from when they're open, depending on the supplement that we're talking about. So you usually get a little bit more shelf life out of a lot of those type of products, you know, provided they're stabilized and things like that. So, you know, the omega plus oil, we have natural vitamin E that acts as a stabilizer that helps extend its shelf life. You know, an oil without those in a clear jug might only have a two to three month shelf life. So any final tips? I mean, that was all pretty thorough and, and, and all solid, solid advice. Um, but just anything else that, that you want to tell the listeners? Sure. Just kind of a final tip because we've talked so much about different quality things. You know, one thing I recommend people do is a lot of times we take a bag and we dump it into a bin. One, make sure the bin's empty before you dump more in. That way we're freshly rotating our feed through our different containers. And two, it's always good to save the physical tag or the bag if it's a tag on bag situation until you fed through that product. And the reason that I say that is you know, certainly for us, and I would imagine for most feed manufacturers, we have all the lot information on those. So in the event that you do experience an issue, you can go back to your feed company and they can help you troubleshoot it much easier if you have that information. Um, so it allows us to go, you know, back into those really detailed records when we have that information. So I think that's just kind of the handy thing in general um, to keep in mind when we're kind of rotating through our feed is if we can tie it to a specific lot that gives us so much more information to work off of in the event that there is some type of issue. That's all. Uh, that's a solid one. Yeah. I, I totally forgot about that one. Yeah. That's absolutely important. So, well, good job today, Nicole, as always, that, that was 
a very important topic uh, for our listeners, you know, on storing our feed. So we make sure we're giving the best uh, products to our horses. Uh, just a quick reminder, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, tributeequinenutrition.com. Please check it out. If you have any questions or suggestions, because we are following up on those, doing podcasts on your suggestions and articles, uh, please, please feel free to contact us. That link is always in the show notes. Uh, So you just go down, scroll down uh, wherever you get your podcast and click on that. And that will direct you directly to us. But thank you so much, Nicole. And yeah, next week, another great, exciting podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris.